The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. John Paz, and with me as always is the star of the show, former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, as well as one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you today? John, I'm doing great in the great Smoky Mountains of Knoxville, Tennessee. It is a beautiful night as always, kind of chilly, but just a little before Christmas, it should be like that, but... I'm doing great, man. What is the weather down there like? What's like the normal cold, day in the winter time? Like freaking cold, man. It's not like the Northeast by any stretch of imagination, but it's been uh, it was in the 40s today. And it's frost when you wake up, and it's cold when you wake up, and it's uh, uh, something I don't really care for. I didn't like the cold growing up. Don't like the cold once I grow grew up, and I still don't like the cold. But uh, tis the season, I guess. But yes, yeah, been in the 40s, and uh, the other day we actually got we had 27 degrees when we woke up for us on the car and stuff like that. But it's nothing compared to the Northeast because I lived in Stanford for a while, and man, 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 snow really snows there. As far as you know, down there in Knoxville, Tennessee, obviously you know you love it down there. Are you catching any wrestling, you know, as far as besides the JPW, I know it's off until January, but any sort of wrestling action going on down there? Well, funny you should mention that because just last night, of course, we're taping this on a Sunday night, uh, December 20th, but on December 19th, yeah, there was a, uh, a wrestling event taking place in Sevierville, Tennessee, Kapow Wrestling, and uh, we had four guys who had trained with JPWA. Um, in a tag team in uh, Sevierville. So I went down to check out the show. It was the Brothers of Seduction, Jake, Mother Lover Tucker, and Cam the Prince Houston against uh, the Vice City Empire with Donovan Daniels and A.J. Kazana. So there's some wrestling going on, and uh, I don't normally go to the, the shows around here, but on this one I had a special interest in it, and I did. And they drew uh, close to 60 people. That's with the social distancing and, and um, capacity, I think, was 60. So there, there's still some shows running around here, but my goodness, I know uh, everybody's in a quandary, and it's all like 
<laughs> who would have ever thought, right? It's it's like a rat race, and we're just uh, you know we're just trying to find bigger rats, I guess. And and wow, but yeah, I've caught some wrestling action, uh, and it's it's tough on everybody right now. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens as we keep on going down the road. The good thing is, in my opinion, though, is people are 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 going and, and keeping uh, keeping wrestling alive and keeping it doing what they can here. And uh, it's a shame because so many people have lost their businesses, their jobs, well, not to mention their lives and and friends and family. So uh, it's crazy. It's it's crazy everywhere. But uh, it, it's especially crazy, I think, for anybody who's an independent promoter or an independent wrestler right now. Yeah, it's weird. I see shows running, but then there's only, you know, like you said, 60, 75 people at the show. So how are they making money? You know what I mean? you got to wonder. Yeah. Is everybody still getting paid the same? It's it's crazy out, out there. You wonder what's, uh, you know, how's it, how's it you know, going to be kept afloat? I see. That's that's the the thing I wonder. I don't I don't really talk to anybody about it. It's not uh, not my concern, not my business. And, and uh, if, if they feel like running and want to run, and they're practicing all the CDC rules that they should, which which last night they were. Then what they're making, uh, I don't know if it makes up for the card. I don't know if it makes up for the rent. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but at least they're 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 making something and they're trying and doing doing what they can do. So uh, I do commend anybody doing that. It's a tough time and it, it's it, it's a no win situation. Uh, for anybody, they're regulating the bars here and as, as far as closing down at 10 and you can't serve food after a certain time. And uh, so, you know, it's a real deal. And the entertainment business and professional wrestling especially is, is feeling the heat. But uh, as we've seen through the years, and I was talking with someone last night about this too, the innovation people come up with uh and the creativity at the same time is is born from adversity. So everybody's in the same boat, uh, probably some with with oars and some without. And um, the the ones with are, are doing everything they can to keep rolling and keep going. So uh, as long as they have a plan, I say keep stepping forward instead of falling back. With wrestling the way it is, you got to wonder, let's say, everything, who knows when, but let's just say a few months down the line, everything opens back up. Will the fans be back? That's the other question. You're 100% right. I mean, and I, I mentioned it, I think, last week with, with everyone sitting at home uh, with the ability to just watch on whatever streaming system they have and, and catch uh, the shows. Why are the shows only doing a little over a million viewers i mean uh i have to ask will, will they come back and uh what what are they going to come back to um are the guys uh going to have a hard time kicking it back in with live crowds in the in the arena uh, again i don't know it, it it's it is of course everybody says it's unprecedented that's an overused word but it, it certainly is a time that no one uh uh, of my generation, I, I believe, is seen, and, and 
and been a part of, and, and the whole world's uh, suffering right now. So I, I don't know how it's going to be for not just wrestling, but, hell, live concerts, live live events, wherever, uh, uh, basketball. Um, my God, whatever, whatever venue you go to, it's going to have to uh, meet the standards of the day before anybody's going to open up. So, I don't know. I really don't know. And I've I've thrown that question out to a few people uh, who who are around it and uh, on, on a regular basis and trying to train on a regular basis. And uh, they they are doing the best they can with what they got because if it, it, I think the 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 worst thing anybody can do is just absolutely stop in your tracks and don't make an attempt to get better or don't make an attempt to at least step forward and keep moving. Um, I'm sure others will disagree, but that's why we still have uh, I think the right to our own opinion in this country. So. And that's my opinion. The yeah, funny, funny thing is when I like look at like current wrestling, what's going on with no fans, it's almost like they're like okay with it in, in a certain weird aspect because they're not using the crowd reactions to create the match. It's almost like it's so set up in the back, it's so choreographed. It's like, well, who cares if the crowd's anyway? I'm just going to have the same exact match whether there's a crowd or there isn't. Have you gotten a sense of that? I have, and and I, I would think, I would hope, and and this is, um, <laughs> it's kind of like the farther down you go uh, down the path or down that dark, winding road, there, it, it just seems to get darker, and no one, no one can see where they're going or what they're doing, and uh, a lot of times. I've, I've been in that situation where you're, you're somewhere like in a territory, maybe let's say Los Angeles in the dying days and Portland in the dying days when uh, it was just guys trying to hang on and uh, uh, not worrying about the details, not worrying about getting better. They just wanted to stay the same and they just wanted to survive and, and homestead. And I think a lot of the guys right now are finding out um, they're not – having to travel very far and not having to do a lot of house shows or get on planes and do the the usual routine that was so standard for the last, oh God, well, okay, last 40 years at least. And uh, now it's all changed, and we're creatures of habit. So who knows if it's going to be one of those things that uh, once the people get back in, but but – let me stop right there and say, I think as a performer, I think as anybody who really uh, does this, either sports entertainment or professional wrestling, you naturally get a feel when you walk out in front of live people, a live crowd, live audience. Uh, certainly helps. It helps the um, – enthusiasm passion i think uh, it, it it does in any sport uh, football certainly does i think basketball too any any sport or any any endeavor anytime you're uh performing in front of people or doing an athletic contest it's it's always good to have a good crowd behind you whether you're uh, being cheered on or 
uh, hell, a lot of times uh, I remember heels getting off, especially when you're being booed and, and jeered as opposed to uh, uh, being cheered for. So um, some guys are going to get it and some guys won't, but that's that's going to be the case from now until the end of time. Some guys, some, some guys and gals will we'll have that instinct and, and always want to be in front of uh, a live crowd. It helps you, no matter what it is. It helps the vibe. It helps the energy. You can feed off the energy of a crowd. There's there's nothing like it. And uh, I I do wonder what's going to be next. And I wonder how long it will be before. I don't I don't think we can ever get back to complete normalcy. But Or if we do, it's going to take a damn long time. And by that time, people wouldn't remember what normal was. And I think a lot of people have already forgot about be what normal was anyway. So uh, it's still interesting. If you still have the passion for professional wrestling, if you really have the passion, if you really have that bug, if you really have a a need uh, for professional wrestling, you'll you'll know. You'll you'll feel it, and there's nothing that can cure it. I really don't believe there's a cure for that. I feel like with a lot of the current wrestlers, you know, without the crowd, it is it's certainly something that I would think that they would be, you know, not comfortable with, but it does seem like they're oddly kind of at, at ease with some of the things and, and comfortable with it. But like you said, you need that crowd reaction. That kind of can really make or break an entire show. So as soon as we can get some actual fans, I know AEW has, I forget what it is, like 700 people or whatever it is. I know they try to maximize the sound, but at least they have somebody in the building. Some of these other shows that have nobody in the building, it really lacks energy. It does. It does. But at the same time, um, I think, for, for again, for me and in my opinion, if you've never seen an exciting uh, match or a well done match with with passion and energy and uh, uh, all the elements that go along with with making this uh, the greatest improv business in the world, then you can't relate to it. But if you've seen um, the masters and and the guys who who got you into this, the Randy Savages, the Ricky Steamboats, the Flares, uh, you know the Tullys and Arns and and uh, the Hogans, yes, and the Warriors, yes, and and the Duggins and the DiBiases and the guys from those days. The uh, uh, I don't know if that would be considered the second golden age of uh, wrestling, but <clears throat> the Bret Hart's, the Stone Cold Steve Austin's, and Rock and Mankind and and those guys, uh, if you've never really seen or felt that, um, I don't know what you can draw from or reference from uh, when you go to the ring or when you cut a promo. What are you really trying to sell? Why do you want to be in this? Why do you even have a uh, a thought about wanting to, to get in the ring? I can understand wanting to be famous and wanting to be uh, on national TV or worldwide TV, but... But that's not um, the beginning. For some, yeah, I, I take that back. There's a lot more younger guys now, and there have been than, than ever before. But the ones who actually make it have that passion, have that love, have that uh, feeling for the business, and you can't teach it, and, and we can talk about it all night long, but there's no way you can actually make someone feel it. You have to have it. You have to uh, have that love. And you'll know, once again, I mean, you may not know you have it until you get in there and try it and say, man, I really dig this. I think, uh, you know, Emily, Emily Anzoulis was 
never allowed to watch wrestling growing up. And she was on Rock's first Titan Games and won. She's from Rocksville. She came and trained with us after that. And uh, she got signed shortly after that. And she found out when she got in this and found out about all the craziness and the colorful characters and and things she's able to do, uh, that she really enjoyed it. And she's picking it up. And she's found a passion for it. Uh, people or no people. But I, I think the guys who are authentic, and I go back to that word too, authenticity, and um, believe what they're doing when they get in the ring, um, and then, then they're going to be fine. But not everybody's meant to do this. Not everybody can do this. So the ones who do will, and uh, the ones who don't won't. So... Uh, we'll see, man. It, it's it's a hell of a t- uh, topic, hell of a uh, discussion. It's a hell of an idea to think about because every time I, I, I watch the shows, every time I see uh, somebody in the ring and there's the, the, the TV digital faces out in, in the crowd, you know, i got to give them credit because they're, they're doing something as opposed to just absolutely nothing. So... Uh, the guys and girls at WWE and AEW and Ring of Honor, Impact, all those places, and, and, and the independents, they got into it for a reason, and uh, they're obviously still staying for a reason. It's a dangerous time, dangerous place out there these days, um, and but it's always been dangerous. Just now there's an extra added element to, to, to concern ourselves with, and um, the guys and gals doing it now, uh, I give them credit. I give them props for doing it. I give them props for living their dream and, and going through all this uh, uh, hassle and, and the uncomfortable feelings and the uncomfortable uh, predicament that everybody finds themselves in. So that's what I got to say about that. Yeah, the Thunderdome's a good idea. What do you think about the fake <laughs> crowd noise, though? Does that kind of bother I, you at all? I, I'm not a big fan, but... Um, if you didn't, uh, you know, but but see here again, I'm I'm not a big fan because I I don't. It just I know it's fake crowd noise. I think everybody knows it's fake crowd noise. Uh, but once you realize it's a TV show, and I go back to Max Landis, wrestling isn't wrestling. Uh, I I that stays in my mind the whole time these days. You know, it's not it it, but that doesn't mean. It has to be um, overly hokey or overly bad or overly uh, overly phony. It, it, when I say authenticity, I'm just talking about what I believe Asuka is really this crazy Japanese uh, lady, and there's a potential of her snapping. Well, I do. You know, what I believe Shayna Baszler, I do. She looks the part. She is the part. She's not playing a part. And, you know... Um, too many times I see guys who look the same, very uniform, very sterile, and I don't want sterile. I don't want cookie cutter. I want different. And uh, there are some guys and some some ladies who are trying to make it uh, exactly that, something different. And I don't know. The fake crowd noise doesn't add anything to it for me. But at the same time, this is a TV show. It's not a. It's not wrestling anymore. <laughs> Hadn't been in a long time. It's it. It should be. Uh, but you know, 
It's not. As far as today's topic and today's show, I wanted to go back to guys that you've trained, and we've talked about Mr. McMahon, we've talked about Shane McMahon, talked about Kurt Angle, we've talked about Mark Henry, we've talked about The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. wanted today to focus on somebody a little bit different, somebody we haven't talked about before, and that would be Nikki and Bree, the Bella Twins. So when did you first meet the Bella Twins and where? Uh, the first time uh, Nikki and Bella came in, came into uh, Nikki and Bella, Nikki and Bree, good gosh, uh, came to came to Tampa. I believe it was in two thousand seven or eight. Um, I'm not really. It could have been two thousand eight. But uh, when they came to Tampa, there were two nice looking twenty twenty one year old twins, and uh, Steve and I had no idea what to do with them. No clue, because they had no clue. And uh, it didn't appear to us um, that they knew what they were getting into. I think they got signed by a model search or diva search, whatever it was. But they had come from that modeling background. And um, nice enough ladies, I mean, they really were. But they just didn't have a clue, really, what they were stepping into. And we didn't, we weren't, and we still don't. We're not about berating anybody or just making somebody feel completely stupid and foolish. So we knew we were getting a lot of the divas back then who uh, uh, didn't know a whole lot, didn't, weren't really quite sure about what they were signing they might have seen wrestling once or twice, but they really weren't sure what the training was and what it, what went into that. So Norman Smiley, uh, who's one of the greatest guys, he's, he's one of the greatest trainers in the world too. He has the patience. He had the temperament. And he had a, a personality to who just knew how to communicate to uh, the divas at that time especially. So uh, we... We knew that the the Bellas were sent there because of uh, obviously their their appearance, and they had this personality, and and it's one of those things. Uh, here, do what you can do with them. And uh, when they got there, that that's exactly what we thought. Okay, they want us to see what we can do with them. Well, Natty Nighthart had, had been in uh, Deep South, and she transferred to Florida too in Tampa with us, and she was uh, a pro's pro back then. She was just, she was learning herself, but I knew she was a pro. I knew she had her basics and fundamentals down. She'd wrestled her whole life. She'd been around the Hart family. She knew. And uh, whenever we read a show and we tried to put Nikki and Bree together with the the more experienced girls, and I'm thinking, uh Victoria was there, um, uh, Eva Lise, and, oh, man, um, I forget her name every time, uh, from Lucha Underground. Oh, help me out, John. Hmm, from Lucha Underground. Yes, the I'm boss. I remember. The boss from Lucha Underground. Gosh, she's going to kill me if she hears this, but... Um, 
Oh, Katrina. I'm sorry. Katrina. Yeah, Katrina. What, yeah. what is what is her name? Carly. Carly. Carly Perez. Yes. Carly yes. Perez. Ooh, yes. I can't believe Carly. I blanked out her name for a second. Yes. I blanked okay. out too. I literally man. cannot forget her and somehow forgot her name. Right. Well, she was Dusty's favorite. She was one of Dusty's favorites. And and we had, but but we had a lot of girls with inexperience. Natty was probably the most experienced. And every time uh, we had a chance, I I would usually make the cards for the towns we go to and just put together matches and six matches. You go over. Here's you got to finish. Great. If not, here's the finish. And Natty, I, I told uh, the Bellas and everybody there. Uh, that Natty was going to be the general on this team for this this particular group, and she took to it. And um, all that really is is helping someone along the way, and she did. Natty was a huge help in FCW, helping the Bellas uh, get adjusted and uh, learn, because you need to have you need to have a leader on that team and. Uh, and that was the only one we had right now, right then. So they did take to it, both Bree and Nikki. They did work hard. They did take to it. And uh, they became a huge asset for us and uh, pleasant to work with, nice to be around. You know, the, one of their, I think it was during their first week in Tampa, they got an apartment and uh, – Oh, man, I don't know if you're familiar with Tampa. It's a nice place, but like any place, any city, uh, you have to be careful. And and they had left their keys in the lock to the door uh, and, and only found out when they were looking for the keys the next day and they opened the door and there they were hanging out. So they, that kind of freaked them out a little bit. Um, but after after a while, they, they grew on us because when they came the first day, they didn't have a clue, and they couldn't buy a clue. They couldn't tell us who uh, Steve Austin was, I think. They didn't know. And when that happens, well, now it's up to them to uh, absorb the education they're about to get because you have Dusty Rhodes, you have Steve Kern, myself. Um, I believe Kidman was there at the time, Norman Smiley. And uh, we're there to help, and we're there to give you um, the information. But you've got to know what information you need. Uh, if you're not, if you're not, if you're ignorant of something that we're talking about, don't just sit there and shake your head like you know. Ask, and we'll tell you. And Dream was like that. Dream helped him out a lot with promos, and then with the confidence. And that's all they really lacked was was the confidence. They they weren't sure what they were doing yet, and uh, but once they let go, started having fun, and uh, got into it, and listened, and learned, then they were fine. What do they kind of say to you as far as I mean, they as WWE when they send the Bell Twins down there? Like, do they say like? Hey, these are the two models from the model search. Yeah, train them, train them up. Like, <laughs> we've got, we've got five divas coming down, and uh, four of them don't know anything, so they're <laughs> brand new. Uh, good luck, guys. And I don't even think we got the good luck. It, it was just, hey, we got these guys coming down, and uh, we got six, six uh, divas, and we got eight, eight uh, guys from England. Uh, two from Austria. You know, okay, what do they know? Uh, 
we're not sure either. So that was that was that was uh, occasionally how it went, and sometimes we knew the guys coming in because we had seen uh, either tape or DVD on them. But I think with the Bellows, especially in that time frame, with a lot of the divas, it was just like uh, these girls are coming down. They came from the diva search. So we, you know, but but once again, uh, and especially back then in in two thousand seven. Uh, I, it was, it was a challenge and it was a, a pretty substantial challenge to, uh, Norman Smiley, especially because he had the patience. He was the one that was, uh, taking the time and he didn't mind, uh, having the divas in, and he didn't mind showing them, uh, different moves and, and holds and, and giving them ideas and putting together their matches with them and for them. And everybody loves Norman. He's, he's that kind of guy. He's that kind of coach. He's that kind of person. And, uh, so it, it, it all kind of, it fell in place, but that was the way things were done back then. Um, I'm not saying that that was a, a wrong thing to do at all because I think that opened up things to uh, uh, let it breathe and not be so constricted, not be so sterile, and and try some things and and try a bunch of stuff and 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 keep what works. Don't don't just say you've got to go do A B C D, you know, on this day and then we'll finish the rest of the alphabet the, the other day. No, I think it was uh, a great time for experimentation. And giving everybody an opportunity to uh, uh, grow some and be a little creative on their own too. So, and and as we found out through the years, the Bellas work uh, work. They they got better uh, as they went along. Not everybody will say they're, they're certainly not going to be uh, Buddy Rogers and Bruno or anything like that, but. Uh, they definitely improved, and they definitely became a hell of a brand for themselves, obviously. So, Do you think Johnny Ace, when he's making that call to you, ever thought one day he would be their mother-in-law? No, I don't. Or, I don't think he did. I, I, sorry. No, father-in-law. <laughs> well, well, okay, well, maybe the father-in-law, but the mother-in-law, no. I don't think he ever planned on doing that. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, you know, John was married at the time, and, um, you know, her the, the Bella's mom, we, we would see, uh, on occasion, too. I think she'd come down to visit the girls. But, um, you know, it really is about uh, uh, perception and, and acceptance at the same time. Because if, they, if if somebody, if the boys or the crew perceive you as getting a free ride or, or dogging it and uh, and still getting a free ride, well, that, that causes resentment and and you know, then the boys or girls don't necessarily want to help you. But the Bellas came in, and uh, they wanted help, and they weren't sure how to ask. They weren't sure how to approach it. And we knew that. We knew they were an investment that, uh, every, pardon me, everyone was looking to to want to succeed, everybody from the diva search back then especially. We're we're suspect in our eyes because uh, 
I think they might have been told all you have to do is look great, work out every day, and, and smile a lot because that's what a lot of them did. But once you get into bumping in the ring and finding out that it's not a trampoline and the ropes aren't uh, rubber bands, you know, sometimes, and, and the guys too, but the ladies, more not more so, but but on occasion, would complain about the ropes and the mat and falling down but that's what this was and that's what this is and uh so a lot of a lot of the ladies back then were uh, most of them were, were were tough and they got the they got the drift and they understood and once the bellas earned that respect they gave it and then they earned it and then they got it and that was the steps they needed to take and that's the steps they took and uh they they showed everybody in the office, and they showed us in FCW um, that they had that little extra, and they weren't afraid to use it. With the Bella Twins, and let's say you know they they come in, and maybe they're coachable, maybe they're not. Are they athletic and coachable? Are they not athletic? Are they not coachable? What's kind of your your take on them when they first came in? No, they were athletic, and and they were coachable. They they. They just didn't know uh, wrestling. Um, they they had been on the diva search, and I'm not even sure how they how they got hooked up with the diva search. But no, they were coachable, and I think they they definitely wanted to wanted to learn, especially after uh, ah, gosh, maybe a month. It could have been less, but you know. We would. It was a fun time, and I, I believe it should be fun. And but you have to learn. And there are times that um, even when you're working hard, it can still be fun. Naomi was there at the same time, and um, she was very athletic. And there were times when when she just could get frustrated. And uh, I, I have a habit sometimes of of calling people when they get frustrated, call, calling them on their frustration, calling them on when they get, get out of whack sometimes, and and they're not sure how to take it. Well, Naomi just gave it right back, which was exactly what I'm looking for. And you have to have that. You've got to have that fire. You've got to have that belief. You've got to have that confidence, and she did. And I think after the Bellows were around the girls a little more and were more accepted, and, and, and Natty especially, again, I go back to her as a big help, um, they they were athletic and they wanted to learn new things. And uh, Norman was always a good coach, and and they were coachable. And a huge thing of being coachable is listening and following through, and uh, do what you're asked, do what you're told. And there are two different things because we may ask you to do something, and okay, <laughs> decline. But if we tell you to do something, do it, please. So uh, they were co- they were they were adaptable too. And um, they that carried on all the way through when they got on the main roster in WWE. And uh, because we've seen some guys shine in practice, and then once you get to the main roster, it's, it's a whole different story because it is a whole different book, or at least it was. I don't know. Uh, and I think the situation now might be different. But either way, man, the Bellas were, were green coming in like everybody else. Uh, greener than some because they really weren't familiar with the boys or or who was on who was on what and who was doing who. They all had to learn that from scratch, 
from, you know, starting in 2007 or 2008. I'm not sure what year they came in. I'm really not. But um, very nice ladies. And as I said, they, they've made a hell of a, a living for themselves. So great brand. They really have become their own brand, really. I mean, they've yeah. almost not outshined WB at all, but, I mean, they have their own reality show. They have their own wine. They have their own this. They have their own that. They've kind of um, broken into the mainstream. They, they're doing on you know, other shows on E, obviously modeling gigs and, and all this other stuff. I mean, they've made a, a pretty good name for themselves. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. I saw them on uh, oh, whatever shows. I'm clicking around and, and – uh... They're both on talking about the babies and and just so and and that's what WWE wants. That's what WWE needs. They need people who understand um, that when you're on television, or you're you're performing in front of an audience or whatever it may be. Uh, we can see dogs and cats every day. WWE is lions, tigers, and bears. It's special. It's different. It's a, it should be exotic and different and and curious and all those things. Um, so the Bellas could just be, you know, another couple of pretty twins, but they, they found out how to be special and stand out and uh, have that allure uh, when, when, they, when they performed, when they went to the ring, when they were on TV, when they did special uh, uh, guest appearances. And when they did personal appearances, they were always congenial and nice to people. And that can add up, and it can sure wear you out sometimes. But, uh, uh, you know, again, they, they did a hell of a job from start, and they're, they're not even finished yet. So they keep finding new ways. What did they think about the facilities and the training at the time? Because, you know, maybe they come from that, that modeling world, you know, wherever they're, you know, they're coming from. They might not think, like, oh, wow, this is kind of not right. great, you know, with well, FCW and the way it was set up. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that in the beginning, and and even we thought that in the beginning. But but as it happened, my thought uh, turned to, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, maybe it should be a little tougher here. So when you get to the main roster, you'll appreciate that even more. And uh, but when you come from, uh. I don't know if it was necessarily how much they were modeling or what they were doing, but when you come from a world where, you know, you're you're taken care of differently, um, maybe like the NFL, because we had some NFL players there too, and, and some guys who played other other sports in other countries, and they they weren't really. <laughs> I could tell when they walked in it wasn't what they thought, but it was bare bones. It was hot in the summertime, cold in the wintertime. And I, but I grew up in the time when Vern Gagne had his uh, camp in Minnesota in the barn and doing all the squats and all that. So I don't believe in all that, uh, but I do believe in building character. And I think the Bellas, you know, they talked on the FCW documentary as well, talking about, yes, it would get the, the mats would get soaked with sweat and, and they would get ringworm or something. And I thought, yeah, okay, I get that. But once again, uh, the, the, I believe the tougher the road you walk down, the tougher you're going to be when you get to that crossroads or you get to the end of that road because you know what you left behind. You know what you had to go through. And they may not have thought it wasn't 
glitz glamour. It was not the PC. And thank God they have the PC now. With the, we did get a trainer. We had a full-time trainer. Uh, we had the studio. We had the arena. Um, we had Dusty Rhodes. That was irreplaceable. But if not the best, one of the best promo men in the business. And uh, 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 knew how to develop characters. Knew how to see somebody and see something else beyond that. And I think a lot of people concentrate on the physical look of FCW and the and the building and, and what we had or what we didn't have, you know, I, I'd concentrate on things we had, the positives that, that really made you feel like you earned it. Um, when you got on, on the roster, now all of a sudden you're going to the, to the shows, you don't have to set up the ring. You have catering. Um, you're in arenas. Uh, you're, you're, you have room to, to, to sit down and space out and, uh, you know, take your time. But it's a long day, but, but that's what you signed up for. In FCW, uh, you know, it is long days, and it's hot or it's cold, and uh, you're going to bump, and you're going to cut promos, even when you don't want to because it's part of your, your program and, it's, and you're getting paid for it. So I'm sure they, they were shocked. I'm sure the Bella Twins thought, oh, my God we got to do this every day, and it's sweating, and, uh, hey, can we turn on the air conditioning? Why, sure, and we'll roll that back door right up. So uh, I'm, I'm not they, – they've never mentioned to me. I just saw what I saw on the uh, documentary. So Considering they were so green and they really didn't know wrestling, like you said, they didn't even know who Steve Austin was – did you ever like, think about, okay, we need to train them differently? I know Norman is doing a lot of it and Addy Nightmare is helping, but did you ever think, like, okay, we got to you know, completely start from the ground up with them? Or you ever think about training them differently than, than anybody else? Well, we, we pretty much started from the ground up with everybody anyway. We had some, like I said, some uh, NBA, NFL guys in there, too, who really felt entitled. Um, and we had to nip that in the bud. And, Tell them you can't come in the arena and eat your breakfast. You you need to be in with the rest of the guys right now, and you need to listen even more so. And we would do that with everybody, even the, some of the experienced guys. Back then, we didn't want a lot of the independent guys. That was a mandate. We were looking for <laughs> there are so many mandates uh, at different times too. It's just like you know you couldn't stand on the second rope and punch the guy in the head 10 times for, for however long that was until people just forgot about it. And there were mandates in development. At one time, we wanted at least 6'1", 230 pounds. And if you weren't 6'1", we weren't even going to look at you. So uh, then it came to, um, I guess, the end of the line where they started saying, we're going to get more indie guys in here. And that's that's all well and good but, you know, uh, once again, you can take the guy out of the country, but can you take the country out of the guy? Uh, you know, can you take the, you can take the guy out of the Indies, but can you take the Indy out of the guy? I don't know. With some guys, yes. And, and not all Indy habits are bad, but a lot of them are. And um, a lot of them, you know, I th- and the, but that just goes down to your environment. You, you know, you, you, you're, I think you are a product in your environment a lot of times. And, uh, you know, going back to the to the divas at that time, the divas were, weren't were really 
we were teaching them how to work, and they were having wrestling matches. AJ was there, too. And I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to remember who all the divas were we had at the time. But, um, Beth so, so, who? Beth? Beth, Beth? Beth was in OVW. Beth was, I don't think she was in FCW. She might, was she? I know she was down there, but maybe not a lot, but I know she did make some appearances, and she wrestled on some of those shows. Yeah, she might have worked, but I don't think we were training. She, uh, I, I knew her from OVW. But, um, you know, we, we never, like I'm saying, we, we pretty much tried to start everybody at the same same level when, when you're coming in because we wanted it done our way. And uh, and that was, and, and of course, that's that's the way it should be. But when you say... When I say our way, I want you to have the the freedom to create, the freedom to offer ideas and do things uh, and and try stuff and see if it works. Be allowed to fail and watch it back and then see why it failed or how it failed and then learn from it. And uh, I'm sure they're doing the same thing today, just in a different manner. So it wasn't that much different. You're still looking for someone who can react you're still looking for someone who can get it when you're you're talking to them and trying to get a point across as we've seen over the years as the business evolves or changes or whatever you want to call it um you always have to reinvent and you always have to be creative and you always have to go forward and, and not uh not necessarily rely on the same thing all the time but what's old will be new again because people will forget about it and and you can implement that into your style or into your uh repertoire if you make it your own you add your signature move to it you add your uh, little loop on the p if you will or whatever letter you want to loop uh your your signature around and it, it, it's an ongoing process and and uh once you figure that out that the only constant uh, is change, you'll be all right. And the Bellas, obviously, uh, were all right. They changed. They they found new ways to 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 get their name out there. And uh, again, we said it. They're doing pretty good. Did you when they like first came in? Did you think, hey, these girls are going to make it, or did you think these girls aren't going to make it, or did you not even think in those terms at all? No, we just wondered what are we. Uh, this, Steve and I looked at each other and said, "What are we going to do with them?" Because we didn't. They didn't look. It's not that they didn't look capable. It's just they look like they they might be afraid to break a nail. But we were wrong, and that again, that's our assumption. Um, we just didn't know what they were expecting and how soon, because a lot of times we would get projects there that need to be ready like in, in a month or sometimes just two weeks. And, and somebody would come and look at him and say, wow, he's big. Let's put him on TV. And we're saying, he's not ready. Doesn't matter. He's six, nine. Let's put him on TV. Okay. But it's a mistake. <laughs> Why can't we wait? So we didn't think, I don't think, I certainly don't believe in terms of uh, whether they can make it or not, because I've been wrong. I mean, we've all been wrong at times, but, uh, that that kind of helps us form our next opinion. You know, we just don't know. And you can never say who's going to make it and who's not. Because I've been surprised by people who uh, I didn't think would make it, and they do. 
So, no, we didn't. I didn't say, eh, I don't think they're going to make it. But I was just wondering, like, eh, what's it going to take to to make them uh, either get to that next level or quit? Because you just don't know. I mean, some guys last, uh, I've seen one guy last one week, or not one week, one day on a tryout. Or two days because we got rid of him the next day. But he had to go home. We, during tryouts back then in FCW, you would come for the morning and the afternoon session because uh, you're there for a week. Well, he came for the morning session, and uh, when he got in the ring, he didn't even know how to lock up. And I said, have you ever locked up? And he said, no. So well, what do you do? So I just beat people up. I said, okay. <laughs> no. Here, you got to know how to lock up. you got to know the basics. you got to know how to walk in the ring. And uh, after about an hour and a half of that, at lunchtime, uh, he went back to the hotel and had to take a nap. He didn't wake up. He didn't come back for the afternoon show or afternoon class. So we just told him, um, okay, you can just go home tomorrow. Uh, That's not what this is. So then somebody saw him. I think he he stayed there uh, for a month. And somebody saw him in Walmart on one of those uh, go-karts. You know, go around the store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so don't get me wrong, but if you're going to be in a professional wrestler and you want to be a badass, um, it's not a good idea to get on one of the motorized carts at Walmart. And uh, anyway, so that that was that was how it was back then, John. Sorry to go down that rabbit hole for a minute, but but that's how the bells were. They were tough and. And some sometimes tougher than the guys. So kind of getting to the point where you were saying that maybe they bring up guys too soon, things like that. So they really started late 2007. They're in um, FCW all in you know 2008, but they kind of get called up to the main roster in 2008 as they're doing a lot of house shows, and then they will appear on like SmackDown, and they'll appear on obviously FCW TV, but then they'll kind of appear on SmackDown in 2008 towards the end of the year. It's like, are they ready for this? Are they not ready? What did you kind of think? Were they, is a year enough training for, for people that are completely greenhorns? Well, here, here's the other side of that coin to, uh, you know, when I say they're not ready, they're not ready. Well, nobody's ever really ready. You just got to go when, when you're called, you're going to be as ready as you can be. But the, the way you really learn this is on the job training. It's in front of the people. It's in, it's, it's doing the live matches. It's doing live TV. Um, so you'll never be prepared for that. You just have to do it. Um, there's no way to prepare except, Go out there and do it, like stand-up jokes and, and stand-up comedy and doing jokes in front of an empty arena. You know, you you'll you don't know if they work until you get a reaction. So uh, they were gonna, they were as ready as they could be for the opportunity that came, and that's what luck is, right? When uh, opportunity meets uh, uh, preparation, or preparation meets opportunity. You know, you have a chance to do it. Well. Now do it. You've been doing it for a year. Even if you're not ready, even if you don't, because nobody's really ready yet. So you got to be thrown to the wolves and see how you react. If you react the way uh, they think you should, then by all means, let's work with you on the road because that's where you're going to get the experience. And we can talk about experience all day long, but we can't teach it. I mean, you know, we can't give it to you. You have to get it on your own. So, um, 
Yeah, they they were as ready as they could be at that time, no doubt. And they were liked, and they hadn't had twins in a while. In fact, I don't know if they've ever had twins. Uh, the Hepners, but I don't believe they've had twin girls, good-looking girls, go down and have that personality, have that magnetism, and and uh, um, it, it was an opportunity, and it was a chance to see if these guys could be coached on the road and uh, listen and 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 learn the business, and obviously they did. Did you ever get like a call, or well, I guess basically it would be like, who who would that call be from? Like when they're getting called up, and would they say to you? Hey, are they ready? Are they not ready? So was it Johnny Ace calling you saying, hey, are they ready? Yes. Or how does that go down? Yeah, John would call and see how they're doing. But we would send progress reports every week. They would get a weekly report anyway. And uh, so John would call and ask how they're doing and if they are ready. And he would obviously come down and check out the crew on occasion too. Um, and then he would give us a list of who he wants at the TVs, when, where. And uh, so... That's, it was pretty much cut and dry. They, they didn't ask us uh, to really <laughs> to really take our opinion and and uh, mill around mill about it and, and say, well, they say they're not ready, so we shouldn't pull them up. They say, yeah, they're not ready. Well, let's let's see how ready they are. They're going to bring them up either way, no matter what we said. And we found that out too. But um, so yeah, but it would be John, or we'd get an email from. Another fellow, Ty Bailey, and uh, tell us, tell us, ask us, or tell us that the ladies or the guys would be here on this day at this time. Here's their travel. One of those things where it's like, okay, they're, they're going to get called up. Are they ready? Are they not? But at that point in time, when it was more diva centric, and, and obviously now, you know, it's more wrestling centric for the, for the women they're not even called divas anymore they're called just you know, superstars and a part of the the wrestling teams or you know the, the wrestling brands so with them at that point being divas quote unquote was it okay that maybe they weren't as good as let's say like a mickey james or you know a, a trish or something like that was that okay because they were just quote unquote divas at that point or is that that's not even a thought yeah, no, I think that was that was definitely a thought because uh, it wasn't really going the way it, what it, that it is now. By all means, so they, I think, as long as they could get along and uh, do do some some cute stuff to and from the ring, get in the ring and be passable and and at least um, be able to follow, then they'd be okay. And I think that was what they were looking for. And they got that, uh, and then some with with both ladies. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think that it was that much of a stress or, or stress on everyone back then. Uh, although Norman did teach them, and he taught them some some not only sound basics and fundamentals, but he also uh, added stuff to their matches and helped them with it and would work with it, work with them on it. So, but I don't think. And it never has been. You know, you don't have to be a technical wizard. They're not looking for, uh, again, the next uh, Luthez or Jim Mundus. They're looking for guys and ladies who can go out and have that certain spark or that umph 
that gets people's attention and look like a star, be a star. Don't don't play the part, but be the part. And you know the Bellas were legit twins. Why not? If you can't do use use something with that angle on it, then you know shame on you. But but there was perfect uh, time for what was it uh, twin magic or mm-hmm. whatever they called it. So. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, once again, you're never going to be totally ready, 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 uh, because if you are, you'll, you'll, you'll be waiting forever. But as long as you're ready enough where you can get in the ring and, and have a passable match and follow the leader uh, and you're not a complete idiot or moron and a good person to have around backstage, then nine times out of ten, you'll be fine. And uh, they were fine. Did you ever in a million years foresee them becoming as big of the stars as they became? Like, obviously, you know, they, they're on reality shows. Like we said, they have their own brand. They have their own wine. They're doing this. They're doing that. Did you ever foresee them when they first came into FCW? Like, wow, these they're going to be huge stars one day. Mainstream crossover pop culture stars. Right. Well, you know, people have asked me the question about Rock and Austin and uh, a lot of people over the years. And, and, That'd be crazy to say, oh, yeah, we knew it all the time. Oh, hell no, we didn't. No, 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 we don't. And no, uh, and I think that's, again, that's a testament to the hard work they both put in. Because when they first came to us, they they were, they, they were like, uh, you know, deer in a headlight. They weren't sure. They didn't know. But the fact that they took the time and effort to learn and find out says a lot. So, no, I sure as hell didn't know they'd be this big. Um, sure as hell didn't, couldn't, couldn't imagine, couldn't, couldn't foresee it. But uh, the, what they've done has, has surpassed anything I think anybody really saw, including them. You know, they might have anticip- anticipated or um, wanted everything, and... Uh, just the key to that is believing you can do it. And, you know, if you believe you can, you're right. And if you believe you can't, you're right. Or either way, you know, they believe they could and they believe they would. And, and that's, that's a huge element, a very huge element, element, um, in all success. You just, you, you have to have that positive mindset. You've got to have that belief. You've got to have that, uh, conviction, and not stop until you get it. And they did. But I never would have thought, and I don't think anybody who saw them when they first started would have thought, oh, here's our next uh, uh, major superstar or superstars. But but they sure uh, they sure proved themselves. Yeah, it's so, so interesting with them. I mean, obviously, they're a part of the model search, part of Diva Search. They're good-looking, so if somebody sees something in them, but it's like, wow, I can't believe they actually turned into pretty good workers, too. I mean, Bree became a good worker, and then Nikki maybe even became the better of the two, and that was surprising to a lot of people. And then, obviously, with Evolution, she had a main event match against Ronda Rousey that was that was a pretty good match, um, headlining a pay-per-view for just women. So, I mean, she kind of proved herself. They both really did, but Nikki especially really proved herself in the ring. 
Right, and, and and that's what I said. Is it goes back to some people don't know they have that passion because they never were around it, and they don't know what this is, and then they get a taste of it, and it's like, oh, man, I can't live without it. And uh, uh, So once they found that, and, of course, they, they, you know, found more than that in WWE. I mean, they they, they found uh, people that they enjoyed being around and people that they wanted in their lives, and... Uh, continue to be in their lives. So, uh, yeah, they, they came not knowing anything and left with uh, you know, a pretty good deal out of it, I think, a couple good deals out of it for both ladies. So and I'm, I'm really happy for them. It is crazy to look at, like, their legacy. And it's like, wow, who would have thought it, you know, uh, 11, 12, 13 years ago, whatever it was when, when they started back in 07 to now. It's like, man, they're uh, – they're all over the place. Like you said, they're on the front cover of People Magazine talking about the babies. Uh, they're on Good Morning America talking about, you know, the, the, the wine and their brand and all this other stuff. I mean, they really, really come a, far, a long way, and they got quite a, a good legacy, and it's kind of all stemming from professional wrestling. Well, of course. And, again, there there have been other guys who have uh, kind of parlayed that out. I don't know. There was this other fella, uh, gosh, The Rock, and uh, he parlayed – you know, it, I, but I think that 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 just goes to what kind of people it goes to show what kind of people they really are, and um, those who want it that bad, nothing will stop them. There's nothing that can stop you if you really want it that bad. And um, what are you willing to do for it? There's 24 hours in a day, and it's all up to you how you how you want to spend those hours. And when people tell me they don't have enough time to go to the gym. Uh, you know, I know the pandemic's out there now, so let's talk pre-pandemic. Uh, no, there there was 24-hour gyms around, and you can work your way around there. If you have to have a job, I totally understand that too. But but there's ways to do it. There are people who who do it and make it happen because they're driven, and uh, those are the kind of people that make it. And those those are the kind of guys like Steve Austin. Uh, and uh, let me say Drew McIntyre, another fellow who was in FCW at the time, man, talk about potential, talk about talent. But when he was 23 or 24 years old, went the first time, he wasn't, he wasn't ready for it because he, he thought he was, and he was ready in the sense of working in the ring, but there's so much more. There's so much more than just what we do in the ring. And that's just a small part of it. And, uh, once you come across the other part, which is the backstage and the behind the scenes element of the business um, and learn how to master it and maneuver around it and manipulate it. Uh, Not everyone will say that. Not everybody will tell you that, but that's the truth. That's the way it works. It's show business and uh, it's a very fragile, petty and um, crazy world sometimes. And for two twins to come from nowhere, just out of California, and uh, didn't know a thing about it, and weren't too sure about it when they got in, and all of a sudden have accomplished all they have thanks to uh, sports entertainment and WWE, then, you know, it, it really does say something about them because they worked for everything they got, and they did bust their ass, and they did... Uh, uh, put in the time, but so did a lot of other people to help them. And again, the the general 
for the ladies at that time was Natty, and and she she took her time to to help help them study, talk to them on the road, get them confident on the road, build them up, tell them when to slow down, tell them when to speed up, and tell them when to move and and, and stop and things like that. And those are sadly we don't have that many veterans in the business today that can do that they're they're of a, a young enough age to be able to get in there and not get get hurt and not uh, not embarrass themselves so um th- that sadly seems to be going by the wayside uh in some matches not all i see some guys still taking their time and having uh having really good matches too but but anyway uh the bellas and the ladies who succeeded from FCW again, Carly, Evelise, um, they all they all had to do it on their own because nobody else can do it for you. You know, you you, you need to you, you can have that path, but we can't walk the path for you. You have to get out there and actually uh, hit the road and do it and make your mistakes and learn from them. And they did. And that is a perfect stopping point as we get into the uh, plugs. A new uh, Pro Wrestling Tea Store has been opened up for the uh, JPWA. Check them out and buy a shirt. And, of course, go to the Dr. Tom Pritchard page on ProWrestlingTees.com and get a shirt there as well. Go to Patreon, where a page has been set up. You can become a patron for the uh, JPWA and support them in that way. Go to the website, JPWrestlingAcademy.com. And I know, Dr. Tom, you said you got a lot of... Uh, stuff coming up for that website because you got a class starting not too long from now we do we have our next class starting on january 4th 2021 uh 2020 is going to be a hell of a lot better year than 2020 let's hope but yeah january 4th through march 26th is our winter session if you go to jpwrestlingacademy.com Check out all the information fill out an application send it to us and uh, we will get back to you and a lot of things uh, we're looking forward to in 2021, man. 2020, woo, let's get it over with. Yeah, the, you can say that again. You can follow me on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can follow Dr. Tom at Dr. Tom Pritchard. Of course, Dr. Tom's book, A Pro Wrestling Curriculum, Advice, Suggestions, and Stories of the Aspiring Pro, Get to the Next Level. Dr. Tom, where can everyone get the book? Well, you can get the book at Amazon.com. Just type in Dr. Tom's book, and it'll come up. And let me just mention this. I got an email uh, from someone last week. Oh, gosh, it's already gone. Yeah, it was last week. Uh, who listened to the show? Um, and I'll say, Scott, thank you very much. I got Scott's book out that very same day. So, I will mention again, if you'd like to get an autographed copy of the book, you can go to my PayPal, which is drtompritchard at AOL.com, and uh, I'd be more than happy to send you an autographed, personally autographed copy of my curriculum for $25. So that's the other way you can order it. Thanks. And you got any appearances coming up, I guess it would be in 2021. I do. It's the first weekend of uh, January. I will be in uh, Imagine Wrestling in Altoona, Pennsylvania. And the second week, I'm going to be in Nitro, West Virginia. But all those spots are taken up from what I understand. I think I still believe there's some spots left for uh, uh, Imagine Wrestling. And you can go to ImagineWrestling.com and also find them on Facebook 
And I believe their email, I don't want to mention it, but you can find it on Facebook uh, if you need to email them about any information. But they have a nice school. They have a nice building. uh done a couple of seminars there so far. So the first weekend uh, in January 2021. Nice. And I'd like to thank everybody uh, for joining us this week and every week right here on Taking Your School with Dr. Tom. Richard. See you next week, folks.